what would you do if you had a brand new life? What would you do differently than you have done in your life? You know those movies, and there's bunches of them, different spins on, you know, the, the movie opens and it's a character and, and perhaps in like, you know, kind of small rural town, nothing going on, you know, just a bunch of rocks and dirt around and maybe a kid kicking a can. And the next thing he gets sucked into like another world, you know, and he's the hero of, a, of saving the universe and everything, you know, and, and, and just, he was just, you know, going down a dirt road. I'm making this up, but you know, you know, you know the genre that I'm talking about, right? So, somebody that has seemingly the mundane life is suddenly whisked away into this incredible new life. The question is, if you had a brand new life, what would you do with it? What would you do differently in your life? These are the questions that are sometimes asked to get us thinking about what we are making in our lives presently. Sometimes people feel trapped in life uh, and they, they feel like there's nothing I can do with my situation. I'm just, you know, this is it and it's just, it, it's, it's a drag. We may even feel like if we could just start over, if we could just get a second chance, we could get it. And, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think that, that people need a second chance. I, I, I feel like people need, maybe it's a third chance or a fourth chance, but, but, a, but another chance, a, a start over, a do over. The fact of the matter is, is this is exactly the opportunity that you have, that you and I have in Jesus Christ. We get a do over, we get a new life, and we get to move on with him, and the circumstances can change, and they can be different if we move forward in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. So how do we live a brand new life in Jesus Christ? How do we live this new life that we have been given in Christ? Sometimes it may even feel, it feels hard, it feels difficult. Maybe it just feels like it would be easier just to pack it in and go back to, back to the old life. Maybe the old way the, seems more natural, seems easier. But that's not the answer, right? There's a way to look at it. There's a way to do it. And it's spelled out in Scripture. And Paul spells it out for us in Romans, right? He's spelling out what it means to be totally lost away from God, to be brought near to God, and then to live a life in God through Jesus Christ and everything that he's done. So tonight we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul says where he instructs us how to live our new life in Christ. It begins with realizing that we died with Christ. Amen? That there was a death of the former us in Christ. So the first step is death with Christ. Let's pick it up in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. It says this, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we, who died to sin, live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him 
through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So we have to realize that there, there was that we died with Christ. Amen? We, we're, there's a death that's happened. Paul says this, What shall we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. He says, no, God forbid, that's not the answer. Paul is one step ahead here in this opening verse in Romans 6. He's one step ahead of all the geniuses in the class like the Arnold Horshacks of, you know, the, the church at Rome, you know, oh, 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 let's send it up so grace can abound. Yeah, no, no, okay, Arnold, sit down, okay? No, that's not the way to go. It seems like a good idea. <laughs> you know, it seems like, oh, wow. Um, and if somebody put it like that, they could, you could kind of, you know, you could spin it around and make it, give it a flashy title and write a book and, you know, whoa, that, that, that sound, this, this, this could go. This could be it. I want to take you back here, back to the 50s, just because we need, we need it. We need a little. We, okay, leave it to Beaver. Remember, leave it to Beaver, you know, just good, just good. You know, the different characters, Beaver had his thing and then his brother, and then, of course, there was Eddie you know, and the whole thing. So I want to remind you of a particular episode, an episode where Beaver is being punished and told that he can't go out on school nights so that he can do his schoolwork. He's been suffering in his schoolwork. He hadn't been, you know, making the grade, and so he can no longer go out. He's got to stay in. So what does Beaver do? He writes a letter to the newspaper, to the Dear Ella column, of the newspaper, and he signs the letter, signed prisoner, <laughs> right? Signed prisoner. So somehow, I, I can't remember exactly what happened in this, but his mom and dad find out about this, that he's written to the Dear Ella column, and he signed it prisoner, and so they come in and question him about it. And this is what Beaver said. He said, Eddie has a lot of Eddie has a way of making stupid stuff sound smart. <laughs> and that's what can happen. And that's what this is. It's, 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 it's not good. It's not right. Um, but you could make it sound like it was logical or smart. But Paul says, no. No, that's not the answer. The answer isn't to sin so that grace could abound. You see, he's just finished up in the end of chapter 5 talking about, uh, he, he's talked about how, how the law came, and when the law came, sin abounded. And then he said, and, and that was kind of, that would be bad news, right? So the law came, and then because the law came, when the law comes in, sin, it, it, it makes sin apparent. It, 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 sin abounds in that, in that setting. But then he says, wait a second, hold on. Even though sin abounded, grace abounds much more. Grace abounds much more. And that's, that's the, the great thing about the gospel. That's the great thing about Jesus, that as much sin as there in, is in the world, there's more grace to be had. That is an awesome, powerful statement just to even contemplate. 
I don't know if you've ever thought and thought about like the sin of the world. I don't know if you know you contemplate your own sin and you're like, whoa. And then you start thinking of like the millions, the billions of people and all the stuff they're doing and everything, and it's like, oh my goodness. It's a lot of sin. There's a lot of sin going on out there right now. Right now. Right now, this second around the world, I mean, they're, it's, they're sending it up. We're, we're sending it up. And the law has come in, and sin is abounding. But even though sin is abounding, Paul would say grace abounds much more. Grace abounds much more, and that's the good news. But the answer isn't, oh, well, grace is abounding. So if, so if sin abounds and then grace abounds much more, well, then let's sin it up. So that grace can abound. We'll help God out <laughs> with administering all this grace that he wants to give out. No, God forbid is the, you know, is, the, is, the, is the response. God forbid. He says, we, were, we, we died. We died with Christ. If we, were, if we were baptized into Christ Jesus, if you've come into the kingdom, if you've been baptized into the family of God, if you've come into, the, into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you were baptized into Christ and baptism, and you were baptized into his death. And baptism really is a picture of burial. You know, you t- you, we take people down to the water and we put them all the way. You know, we don't do this, you know, sprinkling thing and this, you know, bowls of water in the back of the, you know, auditorium and stuff. You know, that's all good and great. But no, we take them down and we, we dunk them underneath, you know, because it's a picture. It's a picture of the old you being buried with Christ. And, and so if you've been baptized, think back to it right now. You were buried. That was symbolic. You were telling the world. You were telling the principalities and powers that be. You were making a declaration to, to all. I have been crucified with Christ. I've been buried with Christ. And then when you're brought up out of the water you're raised to a new life. You're, you're raised to a brand new life in Christ Jesus. So baptism is a picture of burial, death, burial, and then resurrection. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He died. He took all the sins of the world upon him. He died. He was buried. And then he rose again. And if we identify with, with if we're right there with Jesus in, in, in his death, and his burial, then we are also sharing in his life. Amen? So we have a brand new life. A, a Christian gets to start all over in life. And uh, this is an incredible thing. Incredible, incredible thing. There's a lot going on in our world, and we're, we're you know, so much has happened in the last... 10, 20, 30, 40 years, I think, but going back to like, you know, I, I wasn't around in the 60s when kind of the sexual revolution started, but there was this revolution, right? And then it kind of bled into the 70s and then rah, into the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s. Here we are, it's 2019. What's happening now is people are actually doing studies. <laughs> Do you notice, like, I mean, if you read, if you're out there in the, in, in the news world, there's, there's a new study about this, and a new study about this, and a study, and a study, and a study. Everybody's got go, doing a study. In fact, I was just talking to my friend, 
in Washington, D.C., which in, in, um, the, uh, of the top 20 richest counties in the nation per capita income, money being made right now, eight of the top 20 are in the Washington, D.C. area. Okay? So that tells you a little bit about a little old thing called Washington, D.C. and the federal government doling it out to all these bureaucrats that are sitting around in office buildings doing studies. <laughs> and you think I'm kidding? I, no, this is exactly right. This is exactly what's happening. So the types of studies that are coming out are sin is harmful. Now, that, 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 that's, not the way, that's not the way the study reads. It's like this particular thing, you need to probably not do that, you know, because it's bad, and it will mess you up, and it will do this, and it will do this, and it has this effects, and these effects, and these effects. And, and we're living in, we're living in the, the aftermath, really, of the explosion of all these revolutions and all these like, oh, we're free to do what we want to and do whatever we... And now we're living in the age where all these studies are being done where they're saying, and they're not coming at it biblically, but they're coming at it just psychologically and just looking at the wreckage of our society and our culture. And they're going, ah, it's not so good to sin it up. It's not so good to sin it up. God forbid, God forbid for the Christian We've been crucified with Christ, we've been dead, buried with Christ, and now we live, we've been raised to a brand new life, and a Christian gets to start all over. Now, I don't know how a non-believer kind of processes the wreckage that sin has wreaked in their life because they're not, they're not perhaps getting the gospel message poured into them. They're not getting... What I'm saying tonight, they're getting you know the Yale study or the D.C. study or whatever it is. It's orchestrated out of D.C. Um, so, but this is what the Bible says. This is what Scripture says. That, that, that for the Christian, we get a brand new life. We get a, we get a do-over. And, um, and, and it's, it's incredible. And not only do we get a do-over like when you become a Christian, and you have the old you and like the, now the new you who's born again of the Spirit, who's literally a spiritual person now, who's literally a son, a daughter of God, a child of God. I think there's a principle that it's, it's always a new start. It's always kind of a, a new day. Every day is a brand new day for the believer because this is the way Paul says it. Look at it in verse 4. He says, Therefore we were buried with him, through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. So it seems to me that Paul's suggesting that this newness of life doesn't wear off. It's not like, hey, we have that new day, and now, you know, I've been walking with the Lord for 20 years, and, and that day was new, but now it's kind of old again, right. you know? It seems to me that Paul's saying that there's, there's a walking in the type of life that is new. That every day there's new mercies, there's new grace, there's forgiveness, there's everything that God wants to continue to pour into our lives. And God forbid that we would sin it up so grace should abound. But as John said in his epistle, if we do sin, 
we have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this is what we have to understand. To begin to walk in a new life, we have to realize that we have we died and we were buried with Christ. And we were raised into a new life in Jesus. Amen? So that's the first one. Secondly tonight, we're united with Christ. Let's pick it up, verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we, we died with Christ, and we're, so we're united. So, so Jesus said, when we, came, when we came to Christ, when you came to Christ, here's how, here's, this, there's only one way to come to Christ. I mean, there's, there's kind of like, you're all on, everyone's on their path, but they have to come through Jesus, and there's only one way to come to Jesus, and that's by humbling yourself before him, right? So, so, so that we can receive the grace. You know, pride, uh, God opposes the proud, he resists the proud, but he, he gives grace to the humble, right? So, so we, we find ourselves on bended knee. We find ourselves in that broken place. And, and the Lord says this to us. He says, okay, you are going to be joined with me. It's going to be you and me in this thing together, okay? We're going to be, you're going to be united with me. So everything that I did, you're going to be united with me, and you are going to reap the benefits of everything that I did in my life, in my victorious life, because Jesus lived a 100% victorious life, you know? One of the things I remember Missler saying that some of the Jesus movies uh, can make um, the, the crucifixion, if you don't know what's going on, it, it can look like, oh, this happened to Jesus. You know, I remember when people, they missed the point, they were looking at the passion, they go, oh, how could that happen? How could that happen? No, he let that happen. Right. It didn't happen to him. It was an accomplishment. In fact, from the cross, he said, it's accomplished. It's done. This is what he came, this is what he set out to do. So everything that Jesus did, that we've been united to, together with him in, and we, and we reap the benefit. United means uh, joined, um, that, we're, that, we're, that we're united with kindred, we're planted, we're, we're connected, uh, we're, we're born together. We're, we're joined in that sense. We're united. Um, we're united with Christ in his death. We've talked about that. We're, we're united with Christ in the likeness of his resurrection. 
Knowing this, our old man was crucified with him. You had an old you that was a slave to sin. So the new you is going to be united with Christ. And the old you was put to death. So what happens to a dead person is they're no longer bound by what they were bound by while they were living, right? Uh, you know, kind of all the laws that would, that would bind somebody are kind of basically released in that sense. Death is kind of like, it's the end, it's a, it's a release. So what we've done in accepting Christ is we've identified with the death of Christ. We, we haven't died physically yet, but we've identified with his death. And so also his burial and then his resurrection, so we reap the benefits. So what's happened is the old us that was, was a slave to sin has been died. And so we're no longer a slave to sin. Now this is hard, this, is, this concept is, is perhaps a difficult one for Christians to wrap their minds around because, you, and you've heard this, you're no longer a slave to sin. But yeah, I keep doing a lot of sin. <laughs> it, 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 now, I know, I know the Bible says I'm no longer a slave to sin, but, but help me figure this out. This is it. The old you was a slave to sin. The, you, the new you is, is not a slave to sin. It doesn't mean that you're going to not sin, but you're not a slave to sin. You were literally a slave to sin. I've talked about this before, and it needs to be said probably as many times as it comes up in a teaching <laughs> because it's something that we need to wrap our minds around, the difference between a Christian and a non-believer concerning sin. A non-believer is walking in their life in literally an unbroken course of sin. Okay? So think about, think about it being a line on a road that's not the dotted road, <laughs> the dotted line in the center of the road. It's the unbroken line. At no point, they, they may not sin in this exact moment, but at no point was there a break from the previous place that they were. They're in an unbroken course of sin. When, when you come to Christ, that course of sin is broken. It doesn't mean you're never, ever going to sin again. In fact, John says it this way in his epistle. He says, if you, if, you, if you claim to not have sin, you deceive yourself, right? But he writes, he writes the letter to them that you may not sin. I write these things that you might not sin. But if you do sin, and if you claim, to have, you claim not to have sin, you deceive yourself. If you do sin, we have a righteous advocate. But if you're a Christian, you're, the, the course of sin that you were on has been broken. And so you are no longer a slave to sin. You no longer just are walking in that course. And so that's been broken. And you, so, so think about that. That's been broken, and you've been united with Christ in everything that he's done, every victory that he's won. He's won the victory. He, uh, he who has died has been freed from sin. So death is the solution to sin. <laughs> Cut it off. Cut it off. Cut it off. 
Um, Paul says this, Christ having been raised from the dead dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. He submitted himself to death on a cross for our sakes, but he rose from the dead, and so he dies no more, and death has no dominion over him. He defeated death. And because he defeated it, we reap the benefits. We reap those benefits. The death that he died, he died once and for all, and the life he lives, he lives to God. And so that's the prescription for us, right? We died in Christ. We live for him. And if you do sin, you don't, you don't walk in an unbroken course of sin, but if you do sin, you, you, you bring that confession to the Lord. Amen? So we're, we're united with what Jesus has done. And then lastly tonight, Consider your new reality. Let's pick it up, verse 11. He says this, Likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So what we have to do here is we have to consider our new reality. And I think that this is kind of a, it's one of those things, it's kind of an imperative that like you need to keep doing. It's like you don't have this moment of like, okay, let me consider my new reality. Oh, I'm a new person in Christ. All right, good. No, 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 you need to continually consider. <laughs> you need to con continually consider your new reality. Paul said it this way. He said, count or reckon yourself dead to sin. The word there, reckon, that, that sounds like some type of a, that, Huh? Yeah, it's an accounting term, but, but reckon to me sounds like a hillbilly term. <laughs> I reckon, I, re I reckon myself dead to sin. <laughs> but you're right. It is, is, <laughs> it is an accounting term. It is the idea of you're, you're reckoning it. You're, you're putting it over in the column of you're dead to sin. This is where your life is. You're dead to sin, and you're reckoning it. You're counting it over here. Right. You're not counting it over here. Oh, well, I'm alive to sin. I'm just doing it up, and we're just sinning it up for no reason whatsoever over here. No, we're considering, we're counting, we're reckoning. We're in this column over here, and, and that's what we need to do. And, 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 and think of it as a command of God. Think of it as a command of God, and think about it. Um, you know, this, you could consider your new reality, you could reckon yourself dead to sin in the face of temptation. Temptation is coming, temptation is coming. A lot of times when temptation comes, it's, it's kind of a, it's like a wave, it's like a moment. It's not like a moment, like a second. It's like a, it's like a, there's a, there's a, there's a period of time, there's a contemplation of it. 
And if, if you can get inside that moment and reckon your new reality and say, you know what? I'm over here. I'm over here. I'm not over here. I'm not slave to this thing over here. You're not dragged away by it. You're not, you, the enticement of it can subside. There is a moment of intensity. There's a moment of, ah. but we've got to consider our new reality. We've got, to, we've got to reckon ourselves dead to sin. What we think tends to be carried out in action. Believe it or not, this concept, and it's basically what he's saying, this concept is being is coming out from all kinds of different, well, not all kinds of different, but like in the philosophical community, the idea of what you believe is what you do. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. You know, you know who Jordan Peterson is? I actually have a picture of him in, my, in the Who is Jesus trailer. So Anyways, he, he's, a, he's a Canadian um, psychology professor at the University of Toronto, and uh, he's become uh, just wildly popular uh, because of his lectures and things in a, a, a new book that he has, The Twelve Rules for Living. You seen this? Anybody? You know, Gary knows what I'm talking about? Okay. All right. Um, so anyways, <laughs> so, so this, is what he, this is what he's saying. He's saying... I can look at what you do and know what you believe. And I was watching him in a conversation talking about this, and he's articulating, he's doing a better job than I'm doing right now of stating his, his position on it. And I'm sitting there going, man, if I was sitting, if I was like the third, if I could pull up a chair between these two guys, and I'd say, you know what, yeah, this is exactly what James says. It's exactly what James says in, in, in the epistle of James. He says, you say that, you're, um, that you have faith, and, and, but where are the works? And it's not works, but the works flow out from the faith. And so if you have faith, then I'll see the works. And people get all boggled down into that whole, whole uh, you know, thing. Or, oh, you know, it's works, it's works. Not to be confused, the works not to be confused with a work salvation. Okay, a Judaizing salvation. But there's works that flow from faith because what we believe flows out into what we do and how we behave. Yeah. And so if that's true, if that's true, then this could be one of the biggest keys of living a victorious Christian life mm -hmm. is reckoning ourselves, counting ourselves dead to sin. This is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, that we should take every thought captive. And he says, and make it obedient to Christ. So not only are you... A, so, here, so look at Paul. Here's what Paul says in the New Testament. Don't think that you're a slave to sin because you, you're not. You've been unified with Christ. You've been united with Christ. In other words, you need, to, you, need to, you need to count on this. You need to consider this. 
you're not the slave. You need to take the thought that is against the knowledge of Christ. You need to take that into captivity. That's what needs to be brought into captivity. Don't let the sin drag you away into captivity. You need to drag the thought away into captivity and make it obedient to Christ. Amen? And that is just the whole idea, I believe, of considering your new reality, which is what? I have a brand new life in Christ. I have a brand new life in Christ. So this is what Paul says. He says, do not let sin reign. Do not let sin reign. Do not, don't obey its lust. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Present yourself to God. It's almost like there's a hint of where this letter is going because this letter builds to a crescendo in chapter 12, verse 1, where he says, Therefore, in view of God's mercies, Offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing and acceptable to God, for it is your reasonable service, your reasonable act of worship. It's actually in the Greek, it's actually, the word reasonable there is the word logikos. It's actually your logical response to the grace of God is to literally offer yourself. Present yourself to God. Present yourself to God. Don't present your members to be slaves to sin. So think about this. When, you, when we're being enticed by sin, we're, we're, we're saying, okay, I'm going to give my members, I'm going to give my body to, to be a slave to sin. But what, Paul, what, what Paul's saying here in the New Testament, no, present yourself, present your body, present your members to God as a living sacrifice. Amen? For sin shall not have dominion over you. Christian, for sin shall not have dominion over you. You are not under the law, but under grace. Depend upon grace. Live in grace. You know, it's not... God didn't create us as like robots. He didn't create us... And and, and, and as... And as new creations, we're not robots either. We're, we weren't robots in our fallen state. We're not robots in our justified state. And I don't even think we're going to be just robots in our glorified state. We're going to be like him. When we see him, we're going to be like him. And then you can ask the question that they ask in, in Christology, in systematic theology, in your second class where they ask the question of, could Jesus have sinned, right? This is a question. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If it was really Jesus came to live a perfect life, a sinless life, wait, 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 wait. Could he have sinned if he wanted to? It's a good question, right? My theology professor, I think, gave as good of answer to this question as I've heard. He could not because he would not. He could not sin because he would not sin. Amen? He could not because he would not. And this is where Paul says, do not let sin reign. Do not let sin reign. But 
realize that sin has no dominion over you. And you are not under the law, but you are under grace. So you have a, you have a brand new life, Christian. You, have, you had a brand new life the moment you gave your heart and life to Jesus Christ. And you need to keep walking in that brand new life. You need to keep walking every day that we wake up and every moment as we're moment to moment walking with Christ. And in the face of temptation, in the face of those things, we count ourselves dead to sin and united with Christ and keep walking in the newness of life that we've been given.